some royalty free shit, people. That's what we do. And we're back. So I'm Puyan from Scratchpad. We've got with us Ross, otherwise known as the Corp Bro. Yes. Plus, we've got another Ross on here. Um, but I, I, are you sure you don't want to go by Rich because you do have two first names? That is the first thing I noticed. Yes, I do have. I actually have three firsts and last names. Ross Cooper Rich gets very confusing. Oh God, we can go with Rich for now. What What I'd love to do is you've got such an interesting background from what I've seen, and I'd love to hear more of your story. But going from working with artists to um, Ross's favorite subject, which is marketing, uh, and then to sales, and then now to a uh, uh, you know, just starting your own company. Why did you get out of sales and to start your own company? Yeah, great question. I don't feel like I have left sales. I feel like every single day I'm doing sales, whether it's hiring, selling people on the vision, uh, the investor stuff, sales calls all day. I feel like that's kind of the the future moving forward too. A CEO's job. I think there's some crazy percentage of you know Fortune 500 companies that come from a sales background, and a lot of people are focused on themselves. It's like, here's our customers, here are features and functionality. And you're not really talking about solving the other person's problem. And those are the top five, 10% of reps that hit 250% of quota every quarter. That's why we started Accord. Basically, how do you help create a repeatable sales process? And how do you help uplevel the conversation that reps are having with buyers to, hey, what business problem are you solving? So it sounds like your experience in sales, like you started Accord because if I'm hearing you correctly, it was an experience or a challenge that you faced while actually doing sales. Exactly. Yeah. We're hacking together, basically Accord, this collaboration platform via Google Docs and Sheets and shared Slack channels and texting with a customer. It's like, we want a way to align on everything with you and be super transparent and collaborative. And talking over Zoom like this, you're, you're going to forget three quarters of it because you're probably slacking your colleagues about your actual day job instead of buying this thing. The big aha moment was, you know, you think your job is hard selling, try being a buyer. You know, in my experience too, it's it's how the, you know, sales skills are so important in, in starting something because it sounds like what you were doing is trying to sell or at least qualify and learn before you even had a product. That was the blessing of it is because what could we build? We were literally two ex-sales reps trying to start a company. Yeah. So how did they, how did those going through that process actually help you figure out what to build and, and like where to start from there? Yeah, I think... Um again, kind of talking to other reps and ops people and enablement and leaders, I would say it was more validation than learning because we had, we had lived it. It was like, yeah, that's what the best people do. You help the buyer buy, you do all this stuff. It was kind of like, no, no shit. I drew out like the app as a demo first. And I would literally like draw out what I was hearing. It was like, okay, so it sounds like this. And I'd like, because we couldn't build the thing, we would just go through this. And we did this, you know, kind of part-time, um, for like six months before we left our jobs. Do you mean like basically pa- built paper and pencil draw or like you were holding up like a whiteboard? Yeah. Like, No, no, no. Literally like like an app, but I'd be like, okay, pretend you click this button. And then I'd be like, next page. Um, <laughs> and that's how we just old school, man. Version. That's like the old storyboards, <laughs> the, the flip books. Yeah. That is what mostly what looks like a core today and what we designed. And yeah, it was just based on talk, just talking to people being like, how would you go about this better than what you're doing today. I know a lot of salespeople kind of like, this might be a jump, but where does Y Combinator fit in all of this? Um, because a lot of people put Y Combinator up on a pedestal. It's like this cool exclusive thing. If you came through it, it's like clout, but nobody really knows like what it is or how you get in, like um, at least on the sales side. Yeah, like Stanford, which yeah, no, my MBA is on the wall over there. Just it's first thing you see when you walk in, just so you know that I'm better than you. What is that process like? What do you even experience in there? Um, 
because salespeople see it here. They're like, oh, Y Combinator back. Like I'm going to hit that company up. They seem like a good prospect. My perspective on that, I mean, it was interesting because I think a lot of the value from doing something like Y Combinator with most of the people that go through that are like super talented, you know, young engineers or product people or people that are more building the thing. And they're like, how do you add structure to it? How do you think about building an initial product? How do you think about having conversations with potential customers, like what we were doing before? So I think they add a lot of that on. We kind of saw it conversely. It was like, how can we learn all the things that those people know that we haven't been exposed to? Um, and just the number of companies and top companies they see, it was like, they're probably doing something right. And also John and Patrick um, from the founders of Stripe would always talk about their experience of Y Combinator and Y Combinator companies is like, yeah, kind of put them on a pedestal. So it was like, that seems like a thing to do if we could get in. And I think despite not having like a technology building background, they really loved how passionate we were about sales and the domain we were building and the understanding. I think they see a lot of companies that have great ideas or built great tech, but they, you know, it doesn't translate to the market because they don't really understand what they're building for and why. Can you talk about that process though? Like, what does the application look like? You guys just had an idea. You were talking about the flip book, but you guys got in somehow like kind of in a more, even more granular level. Yeah. So they have a formal, super formal application that everyone goes through, regardless of your connections, all that kind of stuff. Qu super basic questions about your business that are very hard to answer early on. So like, you know, can you describe your company in like 10 words? Can you describe exactly who your early market is going to be? All of that kind of stuff. Honestly, it helped us, I think, define the company and the product much earlier, just going through the application pro process. Right. Um, and yeah, I would say we're probably, we were probably like much further behind in terms of building the product, but I think much further ahead in terms of thinking about what's the early market look like? What are your customers saying? Understand that kind of stuff. Um, and then the interview was, was super intense. They basically fire the same set of like 50 questions at you. So it's like you and your founder sitting there across the table from three other people. One person is just looking at physical dynamics, literally like looking at you and your founders and like how you guys work together. Cause the number one reason why most early startups fail is like founder dynamics. So they're literally looking at you like, you know, who's the snake in there. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, ask you super basic questions about the company, which I think a lot of early stage companies can't answer. They asked this one, I think is hilarious, but I was helping other people the next batch get in because, you know, friends of friends I got in. They couldn't even answer this one. It was really awkward. It's like, who's the boss? Like who makes the final decision? So it was really right. interesting. I think the way that they looked at business and kind of the trends that they saw versus say a standard VC. Or even if you decide not to do YC, I think going through that, um, the application exercise is always mm -hmm. really important and valuable experience. And, and this is where I think folks who have been in sales have actually have an advantage because so many of those questions are just basic, like, who is this for? What problem is it solving? And can you articulate that in a very simple and concise way in a, in a sentence or two? Let's bring it back a little bit, Ross, because you have a really interesting background. And I, and I want to learn how some of that played into both, like, how did you get into sales in the first place? And, and also how some of that is helping you as a, you know, as a CEO and, and co-founder now, but kind of back out a little bit. So in college, my brother and I were both rappers as well as started a Hell company. Yeah. yeah. So we, we rapped, we, you know, our claim to fame is that we opened for Bone Thugs and Harmony in college. That was like the big, that's where I peaked. No matter what happens with Accord, opening for Bone Thugs and Harmony peaking. Uh, I think that's every affluent white kid's dream. 
open for bone thugs. I know yeah. it was mine. Like I, you know, I went through a phase too. I still have some of my equipment here. I'm like, I should get back in the game. And I was like, ah, the game's not ready for me. <laughs> <The game's laughs> it's better that way. Game's I mean, not ready for I mean, me. I was gonna say that too. Like little, little Dicky really like that was what my brother and I dream was gonna. Be. Oh yeah. Um, my brother got a job in San Francisco on a sales team after college. And he was showing me all these offers. I'm like, holy shit, you're gonna get paid this much? Like I was literally paying to live in New York working like 12 hours a day. And like, it cost me money. So I was like, I'm gonna do that. Like I'm gonna get a job at a place that has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that treats their employees super well, that are banking, that have, you know, millions of dollars in VC funding, ended up somehow at Stripe. Basically did like 45, I think applications, cover letters, first calls, recruiter screens, moved to SF without a job, was sleeping literally in the same bed as my brother because it cost a ridiculous amount of money to even get a room there. I think he was paying like $2,200, like right out of, I have no cash. We're crashing in the same room. I do like 10 on-sites the next week because I'm like, shit, I need a job to like get paid and move into a place. Um, And my last- tight. Yeah, and the last, my tight. The last (laughs) interview that I had on-site was with Stripe. And there's zero chance I think I would have gotten that job if I didn't do 45 recruiter screens before- the 10 on sites, all that kind of stuff, the research and met with the team there. And like every single person, I'm just like, why are you at this tiny company? They're like the smartest person I've ever met. They're like, yeah, I was one of the first employees at Google. Yeah. I was this thing at Twitter. I'm just like, who, who are these people? And then, yeah, just fell in love with sales and everything after then. So that's kind of, that was the next four and a half years. Did you really? Did you fall in love yeah, with it? Mean, did you I fall lived, in love with I it? I lived for it. Ross, you and I have talked about this a, a little bit. Uh, guest Ross hosts Ross. You're just I, throwing I, around this Ross. Like right, I know. Let's say, let's say guest. But he's, guest he's fucked it up like three times. I, I have. I don't follow instructions well. Uh, let's let's go with guest Ross. Um, well, one pressing question. H- how did you know that rapping wasn't for you? I mean, you, 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 you know where you know, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> I just didn't get the I didn't get the ears on mine. That was my issue. It was just distribution problem. Yeah, really. Mm, I mean, you should have yeah. worked. You should have worked with Guest Ross on the marketing side, dude. He would have. He would have promoted have, you, dude. I, if I had been, if I oh, I just I was yeah. I should have been Little Dicky, but I decided to go a different route. I was just I was like, you can have it, dog. He's like, so, I'm I'm gonna go the MBA route. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna really sell out <laughs> and go the MBA <laughs> route. Um, but I'm curious. Maybe talk to that a little bit more about you know to, to folks listening that are in sales, have an idea or thinking about, gosh, like, what does that look like to be the founder of both the early stage working through this? Like, what is it about sales that you learned that you're applying now? I think the best salespeople are genuinely excited and passionate about working with their users, customers, whoever it is. Like that fires them up. They get on, they're like, they love the rapport building stuff. They love to get to know people. They love to understand their problem. They want to help. You know, that's why I think some of the best salespeople that I've found through the last couple of years of building Accord have been teachers. Some of the best reps, they just enjoy helping people and they understand how to do that and to support them. And then also just a lot of the pitfalls, I think the classic pitfalls of early stage companies come from not focusing as much on the person and on the personal side. Like, right, like I hear all the time when I tell people my story about not building the thing first, because that was like, the thing we couldn't do and getting a lot further in terms of understanding our customers and what the product should be and all that kind of stuff was like, oh, I built this thing first and then we're stuck with the infra- we're stuck with that thing and we can only change it from there. Yeah. Right. So I think the right. longer that you can wait, and I think salespeople have that benefit of waiting and really understanding their customers and having that empathy before they start to build. How is your perspective on salespeople? 
in sales in general changed, if at all, now being in the role that you're in, like seeing it from the other side? Yeah, it's changed a lot, actually. Um, because what we try to do, right, is like this platform that helps reps and buyers work better together. I think the bar of B2B sales is actually a lot lower now than I thought it was in terms of how helpful sellers are. And I think, and I think there's a lot of amazing people talking about like why that is. I think a lot of people are in this position where they're, they're trying to close it. They're going to get fired. They're going to be on a pip if they miss this deal that they have no control over. Like you did that joke thing right. about the excuses. Like those are real things you have no control over. Exactly. What about, exactly. Product? What about all these other roles? Like, like, it's, I think it's not as good. I think you have this reputation in sales, just the way it's structured. And I really didn't think about that before people started talking about this. And then, you know, day to day talking to sales reps and really understand like they're afraid of disqualifying a deal when they should. They're afraid of working fewer deals and really helping their customer because they need that pipeline. They need like, it's this, it's coming from a place of fear. I think it's what leads to really bad sales reps, people sending out spammy emails all the time. I think it just inherently structured that way. Right. The systemic issues of sales. Yes. Right. Right. Um, Just, yeah. Which totally. there are a lot of. <laughs> yeah, totally. Amen. Amen. So, okay. What have you hired so far and how do you think about hiring and why is marketing at the end of that list? <laughs> there shouldn't be sales and marketing. It's earlier. St- it's awareness. Like you should think about it in terms of what sales and marketing really do. You're trying to generate, you're trying to get the word out there of the company positioned in a certain way help a buyer evaluate it, which today is very different. Everyone wants to do it by themselves. They're used to the consumerization, the apps, all that kind of stuff, help them buy in a way that they want and then close the deal and make them successful. I don't think there's any difference between really what should be marketing and sales in that, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm talking to a customer. They're like, oh, I'm not sure. They need a case study to reinforce that. That's actually going to help close the deal. But if you break it out, like the way it's broken out today, especially at early stage companies, I think it makes absolutely no sense. So the way I would, I'm really excited about building our early sales team and marketing team. It's just like, there's the product R&D team. They're building the thing and they're, you know, crafting it. It's engineering product design. And then there's the go-to-market team. And we're figuring out who our customers are, what they want, how we're going to serve them, how we're going to find them and how they're going to buy in a way that they want to. You're making a good one. I can already tell. I can already tell. You're already ahead of 90% of B2B. We're in the place now with Scratchpad that Ross, guest Ross, we're, um, you know, I think a lot of our users are are also salespeople. So I'm talking to a lot of account executives and I've had folks reach out saying, Hey, like I have this idea. I'm thinking of starting something. I have no idea what to do. Or like, where do I even land on the path? And I'm like, yo, you're, you're actually much further ahead than you think you are because you have the sales skills and that Mm -hmm. there's too much emphasis on building. Like, don't get me wrong. You have to build something at some point in, you know, in my experience though, one, some areas that, that have been incredibly helpful is number one, stress testing. Like if you've been in sales, like, and you've lost a big one, you'll know next time you're stress testing that deal. How serious are they? I've actually found that really helpful when raising capital. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because most investors will never say no. I've been working on this concept and idea for over two years. We didn't get like a real, real yes until like a few months ago. And then it was months late. And it's just like, it's just like this. And I think a lot of people that aren't, you know, you can't put up with that, you know, that's like a signal, oh, it's not working, but you need to be, you know, very certain that, you know, of what you're doing and very passionate to get through that. We learn from every single no. They told me this, you see the patterns, like that's how you got to look at it. You got to be like, oh, churn, churn is bad at the beginning. No, why do they churn? Learn from it, build that into the product or the process. Next, 
next yes. And my dad, you know, kind of tying it back to the sales stuff. My dad was a sales rep at heart, started his own company. It was like every no should be a step closer to a yes. Yeah. So we have, it's, it's a two-part concerned? question. No, 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 no. It's a two-part <laughs> question, but it, it does fall under the realm of rejection or, or hype. So we're building basically a Spotify playlist around what is your go-to single hype jam? Like before a big meeting, what you listened to before, you know, in New York investor meeting, what's your big hype jam? And then I'm going to ask you, what's your sorrow? What's your jam of sorrow? Just win. You know, J-Rock and Kendrick, just win. Just win. You know that song? That's, mm -hmm. it's called win. Yeah. Capital yeah. W-I-N. Yeah. That song will get you fired up. Um, song of sorrow. <laughs> Uh, no, I'd love sad music. Um, Same. I love sad music. No, I, Even I, when I'm happy, I like sad. I can get equally fired up about like a, like an excruciating sad song. Um, either Sideways, Citizen Ooh. Cope. Citizen Cope, yeah. Featuring Santana version, Sideways. Or it's a tough decision between that and... Slow dancing in a burning room live in LA, John Mayer. <laughs> I think we'll take two here. I was assuming, to be honest, like I was assuming that the song soundtrack thing that you guys were hyping up at the beginning was going to be like a hip hop type thing where you rapped about the show. And I was kind of, you know, uh, uh, no, we, no, we're not there yet. I would recommend doing that. We're not quite there yet. We need a lot of production for that. Like a lot that we can't afford. Some auto-tune. Upwork. Upwork. Yeah, I know. Upwork is... Fire so over good. and master it. Good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, all right. Guest Ross, thanks so much for joining us. This has been um, this has been super insightful. And, and thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, for, for folks that might want to get in touch with you, how what's the best way? Um, either email me at Ross at inaccord.com or just hit me up on LinkedIn, Ross Rich, the real Ross Rich. That would have been <laughs> such a good rapper name. <laughs> uh, the real Ross yeah. Rich. <laughs>